Hi, welcome to Offscript. Wait. Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. <laughs> and I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're talking about Jordan Peele's Nope. We went and saw it. Andy saw it twice. Very excited to talk about Nope. Nope's really cool. We're also going to talk about The Gray Man on Netflix. I feel like everybody and their parents watched this movie over the weekend. It's like the hottest new thing to hit Netflix. It's all over the front page. $200 million. Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna Armas, a spy thriller. What could go wrong? From the directors of The Avengers. Sorry, I'm talking too much about The Gray Man. We're going to talk about San Diego Comic-Con and a mess of announcements that came out of there in the middle of the show. We, we, we were going to make it news, and Andy was like, no, that probably needs to be its own segment. I agree. And before we get to all of that, we got to talk about the news. And our first story this week, uh, Netflix thinks they're going to get a million subscribers next quarter, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, probably not as funny as I think it is, but it frankly feels a little short-sighted to me, a little, a little silly. Andy, what do you think? Well, we we were wrong. I was wrong about this prediction last week because we were we were like recording while the, the uh, earnings call was about to happen. Yes, and they were predicted they were predicted to lose two million subscribers. They only lost one million, which is somehow right. good news. Um, it's it, it's better it's better news than than expected. Uh, they are timidly hopeful. Um, they will uh, at the beginning of twenty twenty three. They'll introduce the ad supported tier. Um, but I was reading an interesting article that the uh, it, the earnings might be inflated right now because of things like Stranger Things, and you know it's a big su- a lot of their summer content is out. Same thing with with theaters as well. A lot of their best content is out right now, and there's not a lot in like the next two or three months uh, until we get to like Oscar season. So things are lo- looking better uh, for Netflix, but it's still um, I mean losing a million subscribers is <laughs> is still a big deal. Yeah, I've, I've got some confidence that Netflix will gain subscribers. Let me be clear. Like, I, I do think that's going to happen. But the reason I'm such a big naysayer and the reason I laugh when I read this headline is because Netflix just reported a bunch of losses. And that was when they were having a pretty up season, I think. New Stranger Things was out, and it's probably the best season of Stranger Things that's been out since the first one, I think. It's pretty good. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Uh, and and that's like their hot show. That's like one of their hottest properties. And they tumbled. their only hot show. Yes, and they tumbled in 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 subscribers. I know they've got plans to add ad supported tiers. I know they've got plans to, I don't know, explore other options of monetization, like they're doing with select countries and uh, multi housing pricing, additional pricing per house. Uh, check out our last week episode one eighty three episode to find out more about that when we talked about it. But uh, I'm not confident they're going to gain a million. I, I just, I'm just not. Like I'm looking at the growth of of you know platforms like Disney that are just continuing to climb at like a meteoric rise. Like Disney Plus is killing it, and a lot of shows are about to roll out like premium content to get ready for the Emmys. Right, it's Oscar season. We're getting some exciting content from Apple. Apple TV Plus coming up. San Diego Comic Con just announced a bunch of new things happening. HBO's got cool stuff. I I just don't. I don't have the confidence that a million people are coming to Netflix next quarter. I don't. I do think they'll climb. I do. Like, I, I think they are responding. I don't I don't see a mill. I just, I, it's going to be short. A it's got to be short. There's no way. Right. And again, and I didn't realize this uh, when they, in the last quarter, they lost 200,000 subscribers. And that doesn't really seem like that many, but it was such a big deal because they had been projected to earn another like two to three million. And it said they lost, and that that is what was was shocking. Uh, so it's it's not as bad, but again, they've kind of blown all their summer content, and now like I mean, work 
nearing the end of the summer film season and like what do we have to look forward to in august september october from netflix you know not much so far absolutely in my house netflix is on the chopping block it's the next it's the next it's the next service to go like if i'm getting rid of one if i'm gonna make a car payment or something i netflix <laughs> is the one that's up like i think that's gonna be i think that's gonna be it like i find some value honestly value out of hulu hulu's been doing cool stuff um you know they, they've got that new series with andrew andrew garfield jeff bridges has a new series on there that's some high drama like i i, I don't know like <laughs> Disney, for what it's worth, even if you're burnt out on Marvel shows, like I'm very quickly becoming, uh, they've got Star Wars content. They've got a lot of legacy properties. One show, one story we were going to talk about here was them adding Deadpool and Logan. Like they're adding R-rated content to Disney Plus now. I don't know. I just see value in other places. I I, I don't I don't see it in Netflix. Um, yeah, and 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 that's I don't know. Any other thoughts on Netflix, Andy? No. All right. Well, with that, we should move on to our next story. Uh, we have a new trailer for Pearl, uh, the sequel to X, or prequel, as it were. Prequel. Uh, the A24 uh, horror feature that came out earlier this year starring Ty West. We watched it on the show starring, directed by, written and directed by Ty West. Uh, we watched it on the show. We talked about it. We both liked it. And uh, now we've got to look at what's next. Yes, Pearl, who is kind of the main villain or one of the main characters in x uh had a, at the end of that movie there was a secret kind of prequel trailer for uh the kind of pearl origin story the pearl is very old in in the movie x and so this was back in like the 30s when she's a young woman and it, it's crazy there's fire on the screen there's murder happening you see kind of the origins of where she gets started and so this trailer expands on that and, and we find her again in that same old farmhouse um from x and she's kind of captive by this family she has to look after her ailing father and she has an abusive mother and she lives in this kind of desolate uh separated place and then you know similar to mia goth's character in in x she she has dreams of making it big becoming a movie star and she might have a, a way out of this life but she, obstacles uh, get in her way and she resorts to the only thing pearl knows which is violence and, and killing people <laughs> good old-fashioned um, murder that's right and it's interesting because you know it takes place in the same location as the first movie um so we see a lot of the same scenes we see the alligator filled pond we see the old house we see the the barn uh the the iconic pitchfork so it, it's a pretty cool a uh, little thing that i'm definitely excited to see that comes out in september it does seem strange that this is coming out so quickly, and I think part of the reason Andy and I are excited about this is because one, X is good stuff. If you if you didn't see X and you're a horror fan, like you should check out X. It's it's quality. It came out in March, uh, but two, like after how we came about finding out about Pearl was very organic in the theater. It's been a bit of clever marketing from the studio. Um, like I, I, what was it? I don't, I don't even, I think you had read somewhere that they had they had a prequel or something. The the, the end credit scene for X featured this and so we stuck around after the movie and watched it like you would for anything else and yeah it was like i think it was a quicker cut version of the, this trailer I, I i think it was faster than this but i remember a lot of the images from it and we like the movie yeah the lights go up we all looked at each other like what was that like a prequel for what like x is a great standalone feature like this this doesn't need a prequel and then we go to Waffle House after, and we're talking about it. And and I looked up on IMDb. Yeah, Ty West had had cooked the, cooked up this whole idea for this prequel, like while he was in quarantine uh, for a couple of weeks uh, when they couldn't shoot. And then when they got back to set, he pitched it to Mia Goth, like, "Hey, what do you think?" He wrote the script, and 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 she said, "Actually, I love this." So while they still had the sets up before they demoed everything, 
they shot this movie in like a few weeks. Um, and it's weird, right? Like it's rare when you're making a movie, you decide to quickly make another movie on the same set. Even if you set it in a different time, like it's just, you know, that's, that's unique. That's, that's, that's awfully like guerrilla filmmaker, like idea. And, 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 uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting and it's weird. We don't know exactly when this movie's coming out. <laughs> I think September. I've I seen think September. Dates. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like the, the trailer doesn't specifically have it in there. It just says this year. Like there's a big banner. It's, it's this charming look. You should go to watch the trailer online. It's a charming looking like retro throwback early 1900s thing. A very Pleasantville. Uh, the trailer says this year. The description under the trailer says March of next year. But then I've read in a bunch of places it's coming out in September. If it's September, that's six months away from X, which, I mean, leans hard into you made both these movies at the same time. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out more about Pearl, I guess. But an interesting production. And uh, that's that's coming from A24 and Ty West. Uh, lastly, the box office. Uh, Jordan Peele's note was crushing it this weekend very pleased with its performance didn't you know it's not any blowout numbers we're not talking 300 million opening night it's it's not spider-man homecoming uh but for for an eb horror feature for from a third time director uh very very quality numbers andy you want to give away the ghost here Right, yes, this is uh, Jordan Peele's third film. Still number one at the box office, so every film of his has opened at number one, which is a great thing. This did open well below us, second film. That film opened at $71 million and Nope came in at $44 million. Um, so not quite as, as successful, but it's also, it's that came out in the spring. This is coming out in summer. There's a lot of competition. Uh, this is, Nope is also a, much bigger film. It was uh, about $80 million, $70, $80 million uh, film. It's a proper summer blockbuster, uh, but it was number one this week. And some other details, Thor 4 came in second at $22.1 million. Minions, two, Minions Rise of Gru, uh, number three at $17.7 million. Swamp Girl or <laughs> Where the Crawdads Sing uh, came in at $10.3 million for number four then to round out the top five. Top Gun Maverick. Uh, came in uh, just below that at 10.2 million. Top Gun Maverick still in theaters somehow. Dude. That's amazing. I know. The legs no, no, on that movie. Nothing will topple Top Gun Maverick. Paramount's going to keep it in theaters for eight years. They're going to set little booths for like the Navy and the Air Force outside of it, like hand out pamphlets to people coming in to see it next summer. It'll be great. Uh, I'm very pleased with how Nope is done. Yeah, like it's, you know, hey, look, it's it's not like, it's not Avatar numbers, but it's not Avatar budget. Like it's not supposed to be. Like it's a pretty simple production, all things considered Nope. I don't know exactly how much it costs to shoot it. Uh, but I, I, 44 million's quality. That's George, that's Jordan Peele opening at number one again. Three films in a row. His first three. Boom, boom, boom. Number one, number one, number one. Like it's coming out to great scores on Rotten. People really like it. It's even getting some controversy because a lot of people don't understand it. And I'm excited to talk about that or talk around <laughs> it because we don't do spoilers. But yeah, like it, it's great. A lot of people went and saw Nope. Very diverse audience. Uh, Universal reported it was 35% white, 33% back, black, 20% Latino, 8% Asian. Everybody loves Nope. Nope's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to talk about Nope. And, 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 and 44 million, look, it's not going to blow anybody's socks off, but like for a horror feature, shoot, Bloomhouse wishes they're making 44 million every time they put out a horror feature. The Black Phone wishes it made $44 million. <laughs> you know, like 44 million is great. That's great. I love it. Can't wait to see what's next. And with that, we should probably move into our first review of the episode. Speaking of uh, Nope, Andy, you want to uh, take it away. Nope. What if I told you 
that today. You'll leave here different. Wow. So this is the third entry from director Jordan Peele, who of course made Get Out and Us previously. This is a kind of sci-fi sci horror thriller um, starring Daniel Kaluuya, uh, who was in his first film, and Kiki Palmer. Uh, they play Hollywood horse ranchers. They have a horse ranch in in the L.A. area, and if you you need a horse to uh, be in a movie, they're the guys to call. Um, and they come from a very long, long and storied line. This has been a family business for generations. At the very beginning of the film, uh, O.J. Senior, so sorry, Daniel Kaluuya's character is called O.J. Um, yes, so young I'm trying to think horse his, ranch owner O.J. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. Right. Uh, his his father, played by Keith David, the very very beginning, uh, his father is mysteriously killed by something falling from the sky, it, which appears it to be kind of be like hail. We don't re really know. There's just kind of, it, and it's a bright day, very mysterious. Uh, something hit, hits him in the eye. This is all in the trailer, by the way. Uh, and he he's mysteriously killed. They don't really know why. And OJ Jr. or OJ Hay Haywood is left to kind of look after the ranch, which yeah. is uh, in quite in some, in some financial trouble. They need to either score a big movie or he's got to kind of sell some horses or they're in danger of having to sell the ranch, which he does not want to do because this is a legacy of his, of his family. Um, Kiki Palmer, he plays his sister, Emerald Haywood, who uh, kind of ha has her own thing going on. She sings, she dances, she acts, she, she kind of does it all, but a bit of a kind of a space cattail space cadet she's a little bit everywhere um space cadet. Yeah, yeah, but, she, she, but she's a she's a fun character uh but this they're kind of in, in a dire situation and one night they kind of catch a glimpse of something mysterious in in the clouds which which we see very early on are told is basically a ufo there's something floating in the in the clouds something that is apparently scooping is hungry and wants to eat or is taking you know their horses are are disappearing. Uh, meanwhile, we also also have uh, a character, character uh, Ricky Jupe, played by Stephen Yoon, who's the rancher next door and who's a former child star and who want, has his eyes set on the ranch and has this whole kind of mini theme park go, going on. Um, and kind of sorry, the last <laughs> important plot point that we have to talk about is that their their plan, unlike most uh, kind of alien invasion movies is to capture this on film they said we need to get we need to capture this ufo sell it to oprah sell it to the tabloids uh so we can be rich and so we can save the save the ranch so it's a it's a very kind of grounded plot we got to save the ranch by getting some footage of this this uh crazy alien spaceship so a lot going on that's our setup zach what do you think uh i think nope is excellent i really Nope, nope's really good. Uh, very excited to talk about it. Uh, Andy, I gotta be honest, I think I, I like Nope so much. It's gonna be one of those reviews where, like, I just keep wandering in conversation. Don't be afraid to round me off, bring me in. <laughs> we gotta do broad strokes, no spoilers, which will be a challenge uh, because there's so many cool things to talk about in this movie, but I don't want to give any of it away. Uh, Jordan Peele has put out a, a really fun film. I really like Nope. Uh, I, I've seen it once. Uh, we went and saw it opening night. You very quickly went and saw it again. Yes. <laughs> I, I caught... Baffling. I, like, it's rare this happens. Like, man. I caught a second screening in IMAX. Yes. Within the, the next day. 
Yeah, part of like, part we, of this this yeah. this film has been has been shot in with IMAX cameras, so there's some bi- big full screen IMAX scenes. Yes, um, and I definitely wanted to check that out. Yes, uh, one of the early reviews I saw said Jordan Peele like tackles spectacle perfectly in 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 Nope, like these large sweeping scenes, like big wide camera lenses out in this tremendously large valley where you've got a ranch house and horses and horse pens and an arena, and then you got a whole other cowboy town set up across the way. Stephen Yoon's characters got like uh, the the setting of Nope is is really charming. This this like sun baked you know. <laughs> Sunbaked Valley, uh, where something is amiss, like something's off, right? Like something's not quite right. Often things that lead events that lead to violence, like like Keith David's character getting getting iced in in the opening minutes, like, uh, and these characters have to just kind of try to suss out, like what what's what's going on out here. And as soon as they get an inkling for it, uh, they decide we we have to capture it, like in in a, in a digital format. Though we have to we have to you know ca- catch a. a, a something about it like we have to we have to get proof we have to figure out what this thing is and then you know tell tell all the world uh fascinating fascinating setup for a horror movie yeah absolutely the 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 plot is one of the things i i really enjoy about this is that it's a very grounded thing it's it's like we our our problem is financial which i think a lot of people can can relate to and uh, you know, uh, other other movies would go in very different directions here. And this, it's very grounded. Like, we we got to get we got to go viral. We got to post this. We we got to get on national tele- television. Yeah, Nope features some subversive logic in its plot, right? Like, rather than flee uh, this kind of oddness that's happening, this strangeness that's happening out in this valley where this horse ranch is, uh, our characters decide to stay and try to. You know, like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say interact. That's incorrect. Uh, that that sounds like an exchange, like something out of a rival. No, no, like they're just trying to basically, you know, uh, capture a glimpse, yeah. something, right? Find out more, right? Like, like they dig deeper into their situation. And, and Peel does this in Us as well. Like this family with children, like rather than run to the police or like flee the, 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 their neighborhood, like they stay and go check on their neighbors. And Get Out doesn't really do that i mean i guess you could say get out does it too character stays in situation they already know is dangerous peel peel makes that leap in logic like uh, martin scorsese leaves you know clumsy editing in his movies like he's going for tone and he's setting up situations that are like truly chilling in the case of this film like really really quality scares here and i think that's worth it like i i think it's great i i don't mind it at all i i didn't get it in us but like nope manages to jump into the uncanny valley like just far enough that i'm like along for the ride the whole way down and it's a ton of fun right this movie is more sci-fi uh than horror it has a lot of horror stuff in it but it's not like get out and us that were a little bit more kind of straightforward those movies were i think scarier than this uh this (laughs) nope definitely does have some terrifying scenes and moments but it's more like i said it's sci-fi it's a blend of sci-fi and and horror uh but I absolutely love this movie. And at first I was, I was like, I sat with it and then it just grew on me. And after a second viewing, I, I really loved it. So one of the things, the first time I saw it, I thought it was, it starts a little slower. It feels a little slow, but I realized it was more me being impatient because I want to, I heard there's aliens. I want to get to the aliens. And so I was a little impatient the first time I saw it. The second time, much, much more problem that uh, it has, a lot of setup in the first act and it's very worth for things to come later. So just be patient with it. You will see you, you will come to know uh, what the strangeness in, in the clouds 
uh, R is uh, to just kind of <laughs> chill out. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. Um, there's so much. I, I, I want to talk so much about this, but I don't, I I don't want to. Like, yeah. Give, I don't want to. Yeah. Give things away. Um, well, can I jump in? I, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the things uh, Jordan Peele has done well a couple times now is in the marketing for these films. I, I remember watching like the final trailer for for Nope feels like you you're going to see some stuff that you probably shouldn't see in the movie. You're just like, "Oh, wow, that that that's like a giveaway. I I could see like what what the thing is, what the mystery." Um and it's 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 a little that, but there's a lot more under the surface. Not to mention like on the side, there's there's an entire subplot in this movie that is like fascinating. Fascinating that that I've seen a ton of people on the internet get, get on and be like, "Hey, what what is this about? Why is this in here?" It's 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 really cool, like subwriting uh, with tone. And I the trailer for Nope does not give away as much as I think you would think. This happened. This happened with us as well. Like us reveals in the trailer that there are like doubles of these characters and they're violent and they're crazy, right? Uh, and that's scary to this family, but like, that's like the first act of us. <laughs> like, there's so much more going on that is not in that trailer. And, and this fortunately, uh, ha features that very same kind of energy. Like if, if the, the trailers is a really great tease for what's to come in this film without giving away too much. Right. Um, part of what uh, I think is really interesting to about this because I, I realize I can't really talk about a lot of the, the, the plot. No, you can't. Much, no, you too can't. Too much away. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about some interesting themes. So the, the movie opens with a a, a seemingly unrelated scene um, of a, a 90... We're told about a 90s television show that uh, the character Ricky Jupe, uh, played by Stephen Yoon, is, uh, featured, was featured in. He's a former child star. This is the show he was on. Uh, called G Gordy's Home, and there's kind of a tragic incident that, that occurs that seems a little unrelated, but but you kind of learn more about that that later. But there, it's a fascinating kind of idea of man's relationship to nature and man's exploitation of nature for profit and the uh, kind of disastrous consequences that that can have. Th this reminded me a little bit of Jurassic Park in in that way about again man trying to control things he has no business uh, attempting uh, to control. But there, there's fascinating themes like that in this movie, Ex exploitation, race and culture, that which are always big themes in, in Peel's work. Um, you know, greed, greed hubris, the, those good things. Um, yeah, just a, a lot of fantastic thematic work as well. And the movie's a lot of fun. There, there's good scares. There's uh, exciting moments. And like I said, in the course of this, I, re I realized I really can't talk about a, a lot of what goes, and goes <laughs> on. You, you kind of have to find out uh, for yourself. Yeah. Additionally, like wait, as soon as the movie was over, uh, Andy and I both leaned out of our seats and looked at each other like, right? <laughs> Thumbs up. This is great. Uh, and Andy said, uh, he, he said, okay, quickly, thieves. He said, man versus technology. And, and uh, you're right. And it, it doesn't really feel that way a lot because uh, the, the horse ranch is very old school. Like it's, it's, it's very Western inspired, uh, Ennio Morricone soundtrack, uh, like very, very classic. Uh, but this idea uh, is present throughout this movie of of like the exploitation of in the film animals uh, by Hollywood and by movie making and by this idea of, uh, you know, people being captured and immortalized forever in film and, and television and, you know, Hollywood, what have you. 
uh, that's present in this movie in regards to our horses and our horse ranch. And, and that's a really, really neat undercurrent theme because it gives the whole film like this grounding and tone. Like it makes, it makes everything feel like it's building towards a larger lesson, a larger moral, you know, and the movie doesn't spoon feed it to you. I, I think it's a big part of the reason a lot of people have been confused about the Gordy's home subplot. Like, <laughs> A lot of people have said it doesn't make sense. People people have, have slammed the movie for it. It's nonsense, they've said. And and I think that's really silly. I think it's really silly. Like I it's very intentional. Like Peel knows what he is doing. This is an artist painting painting a picture. He is not smattering paint on a wall. You know, like this is yeah. These are intentional brushstrokes. Like what what's happening here is is very focused. And I think it, it works really well because of our cast. Uh, Daniel Kalia plays this very quiet, like introspective horse rancher who loves his dad, who now has responsibility thrust upon him to save his family's legacy in this horse ranch. His sister has moved away, but obviously she still very much cares for her brother because that's where they grew up. She is on her phone. Like she's, she's hustling. She's got plans played brilliantly by Kiki Palmer. God, she's great in this movie. Steven Yoon is like this surprisingly innocent guy. Like he's basically their, their like hapless neighbor down the valley. Who's got this like fun country Western thing set up for the kids to come out like, you know, and have, I don't know, country Western days, little amusement park with a couple little kitty rides. Like, you know, and, and also you've got Brandon Pereira who plays this like, Really odd guy. I, 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 I'll be honest. I didn't love what he was doing in this movie. I couldn't get a read on his character, but, but by the end of the film, all of these characters have like emotional value and context and you care about what happens to every one of them. Even the one I didn't like that much. And that happens because these characters are like really grounded in performance and really humble and, and uniquely human. Uh, I, I love that OJ constantly feels like he has to back off from situations that are frightening. Part of the reason the film is called Nope is because Jordan Peele said it's exactly what black people should say in movies. When they see something horrifying, just go, nope, and just get out of there, right? Like, just bail. And it happens a couple times in this movie. It's part of OJ's character that, that he is, like, you know, not, not a coward per se, but meek and he's quiet and and like he doesn't want danger and he doesn't want like he just wants to get out of there man uh and that ultimately leads to like a turn in the third act for his character like it's such a small idea that's grounded like in the very title of the film and it's funny <laughs> it's it works as a laugh and a character flaw like it's really great uh and and that's just like one really particular example that i don't think gives too much away yeah, the the other thing I want to mention is this movie is is very kind of secretly a western. Uh we we obviously have some western themes like there there are these horses, they're on a horse ranch. Uh Ricky Jupe next door has uh his, his park is called Jupiter's Claim and it, it's a whole, you know, country western theme thing where they have like horse horse shows. Uh but the movie is is more than that. It it, it embraces uh, a number of western I ideas kind of tropes and things that uh, things that you've seen from westerns that you don't really see in a, in a movie that aren't that but but we it, it very cleverly weaves them back in and we have a very western inspired uh soundtrack like it sounds like the old uh, spaghetti westerns of uh you know sergio leone uh, scored by ennio morricone like we it has that kind of sound uh for very good reasons which which you'll see uh if and when you see the movie um 
but that was a nice surprise. It, it's, uh, you know, there, and, and it has those things. You, you got the good guy, the bad guy, the, the town, the showdown, the, these kinds of elements. Yeah. Uh, regarding like cinematic inspiration, I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, a lot of people have compared this to Spielberg, which I think is pretty, pretty accurate, man. Like I really do. Like it's, it's not like JJ Abrams making super eight Spielberg, but the That's way, copying Spielberg. yeah, right. Yeah. That, well, that was, yeah. Produced by that was like JJ Spielberg pulling JJ under his wing, like pulling him right out of film school. Come on, kid. I'll show you how to make a movie. Like that's, that's what that was like, which is, you know, great. That's fine. But this is a, a different sort of beast. Like our, our, our mystery in the clouds, our, our, our thing, our characters keep looking up at trying to see, uh, it plays like jaws. Like it's, you don't get a whole lot of like, good looks at this thing at least to start and you're just catching it like a fin in the water right in the ocean like you, you just a glimpse of something you'll see something off frame and it feels like the first couple acts of this film with like a unique paranoia really the whole movie who am i kidding like it, it, it rides the whole way through and uh that that's able to happen because of like basic horror techniques like like something you see in jaws spielberg or like tremors or even the blair witch project peel talked about in interviews that like he thinks sometimes it's scarier when you don't see the monster right like sometimes just the idea of what could happen or might be there is enough to suspend your disbelief and bring you in and really spook you uh and that works like masterfully here and additionally i think there's a lot of inspiration from like something like m night Shyamalan signs uh there's no scene in this movie where a character like goes to the library and they're like looking through old newspapers and looking up like aliens and, like ufos and like reading about them the movie knows you know what an alien is the movie knows you know what a ufo is and just like signs like you'd see a hand of an alien in a cornfield or something like they don't have to have anybody explain that to you nobody's gonna spoon feed well that's an alien and that could have been a no 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 they know everybody sitting there watching this movie knows what an alien is and they know exactly how frightening the idea of this kind of unknown thing this presence like being there they know everybody knows how scary that is and 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 nope knows it too like nope knows it perfect and it exploits like these these elements of sci-fi horror and blends them with like a uniquely western setting to create something that feels really original even though it retreads on a lot of really basic cinematic concepts it's fantastic it takes building blocks from what came before and puts it into an entirely different shape i love it i love no sorry andy i, I know i'm just going yeah, off yeah no the, those comparisons to, to spielberg are apt and, and it's not to say that jordan peele is the next Spielberg? He could be, maybe, hey, in, maybe, in, in, yeah. maybe in, in ten years, maybe in a few more movies, maybe he will. But uh, it's definitely warranted. And this movie does have, like, if you think of, of the great Spielberg uh, films uh, and and set pieces, thrillers, like I said, it it reminded me of Jurassic Park, the 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 thrill that that is in there, there Jaws. Um, you know, close clo encounters, cl close encounters. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, yeah, in yeah. Indiana Jones, like, the, like they knew when the, you know when they were making those those films in the, in the eighties, that they really knew how to create tension and action and and drama. And Jordan Peele has been a student of these things and has created his own. And it's also unique because again, Super Eight is just a Spielberg ripoff. Um, Jordan Peele has done something new and interesting and different. Which you can still see is inspired by great film makers, but is is something new. It's funny. I don't remember a lot about Super Eight. I, I remember like a train crash at night and the kids on bikes. That's all I remember. And lens flare. 
That's it. <laughs> and, that, and then that lens flare walked into the Star Trek universe and JJ Abrams made a couple of those movies. And it was like, good God, like the, the lens flare brutal. And now you got lens flare in uh, West Side Story, right? Spielberg like leans on the lens flare, baby. He loves it. Like he loves the lens flare, which is, you know, I, I think Spielberg does it better than Abrams. Abrams has backed off a bit since. But anyway, uh, I, I think Nope is funny. Like I, 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 sh I know I need to wrap up where I'm going with this. We got a show to do here, but I, I, nope is funny. Like there's a lot of good laughs in this movie. Some of them are dark. There's some dark laughs and some of them are real subtle and others are like real broad. Like, you know, like Daniel Kalia and, and Kiki Palmer are like really charming as his brother and sister who are like totally disaffected by their current situation. Or I should say affected by their current situation. And they've got this kind of strained relationship that grows tighter over the course of the film. It's really charming to see the two of them feel like they're reconnecting and getting to know one another again and like ultimately growing stronger for it steven yoon is like the more you find out about this kind of odd for yeah i tried former child actor who's like building this amusement park out and the more you're like what, what? who is this guy like really great like really simple small cast uh, uh good fundamentals uh it makes for something really charming um yeah really I yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to co comment on that same thing really seller performances daniel kaluuya it's just amazing to me how little he does, but how impressive it is. Like, he, and that, what I mean is, is he he almost underacts. Like, it, it's so much about how he looks, how he carries himself, the like his facial expressions. Like, it's it's little things like you know the raise of an eyebrow, the like you know cocking his neck, the, like these different very subtle things, but that have a big impact. And you you instantly know what he's doing or thinking or feeling just by, by how he he moves in accent. It, it's really impressive. And th uh, Kiki Palmer is the opposite of him. She's kind of loud and bombastic. bombastic. She's really great in her own, um, just in her own style. Stephen Yoon is, like I said, this kooky character. Uh, really great to see him in kind of so something different um, from normal. I, yeah, wanted to mention uh, Daniel Kaluuya's performance because I forgot this when I, when I talked to it earlier. Uh, he, yeah, regarding his underacting, like, I, I, it's subtle. Like, Kaluuya has a lot of charisma and we've seen him turn it on in features like Get Out or Widows. Like, Kaluuya can really elevate what he's doing here. But OJ is not an elevated character. Like he's a, he's a, he's like he's he's practically a hick man. Like he grew up on a horse ranch out away from everybody. Like the guy is fundamentally like he gets nervous around people. Like he's a quiet dude and like as as he kind of grows into himself over the course of the film, Kaluuya's like performance really starts to kind of build on itself and get to something bigger. Like he's great. Yeah, I've seen multiple people say that. It, I saw I saw Logan Paul on Twitter who posted this whole thread about this that got a little attention if you haven't seen the movie don't don't go look at the thread watch the movie first because he's got spoilers in there but uh he mentioned that like you you wasted daniel kalia how could you <laughs> on the most mundane vanilla character he's ever seen like come on what a poor read i uh, disappointed by that and i'm disappointed by people who've written off i think a lot of this movie because they feel like it's slow or nothing happens or it's confusing, or there's these like leaps in logic that don't make a lot of sense. And it's like, oh, uh, guys, <laughs> like it's a, it's a summer horror movie that's really charming. Like if you just kind of look at it for longer than a minute, I think I think it really comes through. But then again, we do a movie podcast, and and we do this every week, and we talk about movies a lot. So maybe maybe we're just reading it in a different way. But what I know is this: 
It is not every day. It is not every week. It's rare, in fact, that we watch a movie that one of us likes so much we go see the next day. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's like and that's nope. And something's happening here in this movie, man. It's good stuff. Yeah, it I I was really into it. I was thinking about it. And I also had a lot of time. Uh but and things aren't in IMAX for very long. That was the main reason I wanted to get like I missed seeing Dune in IMAX because I, I waited a couple of weeks um, yeah. and then it was, it was on to something else Eternals, I think. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I was like, you know, there's probably a lot that I miss. And sure enough, like there's a lot of really important things that happen in the first act that you're, you're just, you're not going to realize are important on, on your first viewing. So that's, it's a movie that, that gets even better with uh, subsequent viewings. And like I said, some of it, uh, some of the action scenes are filmed in IMAX, so you're going to get that big IMAX screen and, and sound if you see it in that format. Yes. Uh, we have talked way too long about this movie. We, we've got to move on. <laughs> we, gotta, we still got to talk about Comic-Con. We got to talk about The Gray Man on Netflix. Any other thoughts for recommendations? Because I'd love to keep going. Like we, We've talked about I'm this ready. offline before I'm this ready. episode. Yeah, like, it's a whole thing. Uh, Andy, would you recommend? Nope. Absolutely, absolutely. Probably my favorite movie of the summer. Uh, one of my favorite uh, movies of, of the year so far. Probably just second behind Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, just It's original. It's fun. It's interesting. It's deep. It's got good adventure, good scares. It's uh, you know a bit of a Western, sci-fi, aliens. It's all the things we, we go to the movies for. And um, I can't believe that, that he's done it again. Because you know eventually Jordan Peele is going to have a miss. Some people think it's this film. I, I don't think think that. I think this might be his the best film he's he's made possibly. Um, so highly, highly recommend. See it on the biggest screen you can if you have the means. Uh, get out to an IMAX and and experience. Um, but definitely theater, see it in the theater. Don't don't wait for uh, streaming. Yeah, I I'm in a hundred percent agreement. Like this movie's so much fun. Uh, top ten of the year material. Top five of the year material. Probably, I mean, probably top three. Like I don't know where the rest of the year's headed. We got a lot of movies coming out, but like, man, this I I liked this movie when I was watching it, and I've only liked it more since. Every time I think about it, I think it's rad. Talking to Andy about it, it comes around. Like I'd love seeing people's hot takes online about it. Nope, is really good stuff. I, I for the people who think yeah like like Jordan Peele's gotta 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 miss somewhere like I I liked Us a lot but like that movie I thought had some problems and I was like well we'll see what he does with his next feature like he's only going up and I'm excited to go back and revisit Us like and look at that in a different way now because I'm sure I'll think more of it like this God dude Jordan Peele's great Nope's great go watch Nope like love it to death uh content warning it is rated R uh it's worth knowing you gotta you, you, you be an adult all right don't take babies to Nope. And also, don't get on your phone. God. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Opening Jeez. night, like, oh, my God. People getting on their phones. Only in the first act, because they all got tuned start, in. But, I'm going to start going to 11 p.m. screenings. Dude, so, yeah. No <laughs> We're going to start going to, like, Saturday people. morning screenings. Ridiculous. People on their phones. Come on. Anyway, uh, that's no. That's 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 what we got. That's It's, it's great. You should absolutely go check it out. Uh, with that, we should move into... Andy, you want to introduce this one? It's time for the death of cinema. So we're going to be talking about San Diego Comic Con. Uh, SDCC is back after nearly, I think, a two-year hiatus uh, because of, of COVID. They did not have this convention 
for the past two years, and it's back, and we're back in Hall H with huge announcements for big properties, primarily Marvel and DC. There are other other things announced as well, primarily for for TV, unrelated to what we do. So we're here to talk about all the big Marvel and DC news, and uh, it's quite a, a bunch. It's 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 a ton. Well, I tell you, like I, when I think back when we started doing the show, I, you know, it's been it's been a few years. So we, you know, we we take an off week every once in a while, even though we're on episode one eighty six, we're we're past three years for sure. Uh, I don't think we talked about Comic Con like the first the first year we were doing the show, like because there wasn't, you know, it it was it was interesting, sure, but like it wasn't like a big deal. Now we need to like carve out a segment, and Comic Con's the same way. Like a decade ago, no, who cared what was going on in the film world at Comic-Con? Now, like this is, <laughs> this is announcement central, baby. This is Disney debuting like where they're taking it's, Marvel for the next three years. Yeah, this is basically DC. Marvel Con. Yeah, it's DC like wheeling out their best and brightest and putting the rock on an elevated platform in his Black Adam suit with lightning and sound effects behind it. Like it's, it's goofy, baby. And like we got to talk about it. <laughs> This stuff is, I mean, billions of dollars are moving through these industries at this point. Like, you can't not talk about it. So Comic-Con has really elevated itself, especially this year, coming back strong in person, uh, as a a, a place for movie-loving comic book fans to go and, and enjoy and, and premiere all of this content. Where do we get started in here? I mean, my I, Marvel, I'll, DC? I, I'll start <laughs> uh, with uh, DC... Uh, because there's just a, actually a couple of announcements. We uh, and this isn't even an announcement. Shazam: Fury of the Gods, which is the sequel to the first Shazam film, uh, they showed the first uh, trailer, which shows Zachary Levi back in uh, the Shazam outfit. The f- he's got his super family with him, and they are fighting against uh, Lucy Liu and Heron Mirren, who are some sort of uh, female goddesses who are angry. And it, it didn't really give a whole lot of plot. We just know that they are the uh, antagonists they look really i don't know why but they just look really bad like it's really bad makeup like they look fine like helen mirren looks fine when she's like in in fast and furious but the makeup they did on her is is horrendous she looks like she's been left out in the sun for way too long and it's just it's sure. really bad makeup for some reason but that trailer is out if you're interested and want to see that the other uh big uh trailer release or at least they released some new footage of black adam which of course is the rocks superhero dc film which comes out october 21st um those aren't really announcements as much as just new new things that that they're gonna be doing zach any, any thought on the dc stuff uh, so in Shazam, I think it's the makeup all around. I think everybody in that movie looks 10 years older than they did in the last movie. Yes. Like the, the trailer young, opens with like a hard close up on Zachary Levi's face in therapy. And even him, I'm like, good God. <laughs> well, especially I, the younger kids, like young yeah. Billy Batson looks like he's in college. The, the Billy Batson guy looks 30. Like I, I look like <laughs> I would fight him in a parking lot somewhere. Like he is, yeah, he's not 30. And like, there's barely footage of him in the trailer. Just the stuff they used, I think isn't glowing. And then, yeah, Helen Mirren looks okay. I, I am excited for that movie, um, but it looks more like an ensemble feature now. It's Shazam trying to figure out how to work with the Wonder Kids and everybody around him, you know, and like how to to, to share the mantle of being a superhero, I guess. And it's <laughs> I accidentally found out it's written by one of the guys who wrote a bunch of Fast and Furious. So I'm already like projecting family onto Shazam, too. I don't know. It's just, you know, a hot take from Twitter, but it looks all right. Black Adam looks a, a whole lot like the Rock superhero movie. That's got to build into something. It, it needs... 
I don't know. It needs a heat. It needs some heat. It needs like a, an additional feature. Cause yeah, right now it just looks like the rock wearing, you know, a super suit and like, he doesn't have any like feature about him that particularly stands out. I, I don't know. We talked about this before. Like Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, uh, Tony Stark had like the kind of the goofy goatee and the snarky attitude. Chris Hemsworth's got the blonde hair and the giant muscles. The black Adam just looks like the rock. <laughs> He's just yeah. the rock. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And then Pierce Brosnan just kind of looks like Pierce Brosnan. And then I know like uh, any scene with uh, Dr. Whatever's what's Dr. Pierce Fate, Bro- Dr. Fate, any scene with his helmet on is not going to be him because Pierce Brosnan's 90. So like, it just looks like a CGI fest. <laughs> like, I think uh, I, 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 text, I texted you about this earlier today. I think DC needs to lean into like the, 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 the Nolan Dark Knight filmmaking they need to lean into joker they need to lean into the batman like go with the elevated superhero movie like marvel is becoming yes marvel is becoming (laughs) like camp marvel is becoming like goofy at this point and people are now getting into like well it's made for kids that's that's always the go-to for marvel now great uh dc should not don't be made for kids like be 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 the nope of of comic book you know superhero movies. Be the be be the cool new hot thing on the street. Like because the people buying tickets are you know twenty to thirty five. <laughs> like that's yeah. why not make movies aimed at them? It worked in Joker, worked in the Batman, worked in Nolan's Batman's. Like keep going. You know who who needs Aquaman two? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. What's just Sam? Shazam might be okay. And anyway, that, that was way more than it needed to be. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just yeah. Uh, what do you think of Marvel? So Marvel Marvel came to, to win. They came to play. Uh, some huge, massive announcements. I'll start big, and then we'll get uh, smaller. Yeah. So we've learned that, that we learned what is coming out in Phase 4, Phase 5, and even Phase 6. Oh, my God. In, in, in what is these three phases are being are, are now known as the multiverse saga. We've had a lot of multiverse-themed films so far. Somehow, everywhere, everywhere, all at once is uh, not in, <laughs> not part of that. Uh, but huge, huge announcements uh, for all these. So we we learned the rest of Phase Four, and then what's also coming in Five and Six. So Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania will be the beginning of Phase Five, uh, as well as some other announcements. Captain America: New World Order, which will be the the first Sam Wilson Captain America. She Hulk Attorney at Law. That's that's Disney Plus. You can not gonna. I'm not gonna worry about that. That actually comes out this pretty soon. Thunderbolts, uh, which is also part of part of Phase Five. Thunderbolts is like Suicide Squad. It's the bad guys team up. That's people like U.S. Agent and uh, I'm not sure who else yet. But it, it's kind of the bad guys are the uh, the main characters there. Daredevil: Born Again. This is an interesting one. This is for Disney Plus. Uh, it's uh, resurrecting the Daredevil character uh, that stood up. Uh, Charlie Cox uh, played on the Netflix series. They're going to use him again and do a, a Disney Plus series. Uh, Agatha, Coven of Chaos, a spinoff from WandaVision, Loki Season 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So that's going to be the final, I guess, of Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a big announcement. I'm not going to bother with dates right now. Uh, big part of what is going to be Phase 6 is um, starts with Fantastic Four. This is a pretty big announcement. Fantastic Four has been done twice, very poorly, um, and it's apparently one of the best comics that there is, but it has not translated to the the films very well. Uh, that's going to be the start of Phase Six, and a whole lot of things not 
there, there's like eight projects that were not mentioned what they are in phase six, but the, it ends with two two biggins, uh, Avengers, uh, the Kang Dynasty, and Avengers Secret Wars, which will are, are six months apart from each other, very close together, which is uh, kind of insane. Uh, that's all we know of phase six, but the, just a ton a ton of stuff coming out and we know that black panther wakanda forever is going to be the end of phase four so zach what do you think of all these announcements tons of properties tons of films tons, tons of properties tons of tv while while you were talking i tried to pull up the phase five and six slates you know the, with the you've seen them like the universe with all the logos on them on a timeline they're like here's when stuff's coming out all of it's subject to change because that's how movies work um, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you can see that. You can go back and find us on Facebook and YouTube. That's where we post the show. Follow while you're there. Subscribe, whatever. Uh, I forgot how funny. <laughs> I don't know if I saw the Phase 5 slate next to the Phase 6 slate. Here's Phase 5. Nice, full picture. There's like 10 logos on each side of it. Like There's 20 things coming out. And a lot of them are looking, you know, based in, in things that we know. Ant-Man's a property we already know. Guardians we already know. Loki we already know. Agatha we already know. Captain America we already know. Secret Invasion, Marvels, Daredevil. Like Most of these are things we're already familiar with. Not not many of these are like particularly original. Like there's something that's building off a property we've already seen appear. And that's good. They, they need that like build. But then the phase six slate... <laughs> <laughs> it's like three things and it's like way and smaller. a bunch of tba yeah right it's got fantastic four in november 2024 and then nothing just a big old bland nothing on one side nothing and then two more logos avengers the kang dynasty in 2025 may 2025 and then six months later avengers secret wars was in november 2025 like six months whatever uh like that's that's not you know I mean, I guess I'm glad they announced it, but like, what one skip me to phase six? Get just I don't I don't care about any of this phase five, phase five <laughs> stuff. I should I should care, but like, look, Marvel fatigue is a real problem, and I'm not the only person feeling this. Like, I, this is a thing a lot of people are running into. Phase six looks so much more exciting, and it looks <laughs> so much more work put into each one of these. Phase five's like, uh, I gotta eat yeah, my phase veggies. Phase four and five and that, are like just phase filler, is right? What it like is. Marvel just brought us a, a, a beautiful t-bone steak and they were like haha eat your veggies first here comes the airplane like you're gonna have to sift through a year and a half of merchandising crap before you get to the stuff you actually want to see you know i like there's there's stuff in phase five i kind you know sure i'll go see guardians three i'll probably watch loki season two i'm watching blade that looks cool but like <laughs> there are I, there are I don't get this a whole lot you know there like, are six marvel films coming out in 2023 six films yeah and like four tv shows like yeah 23s and i'm only excited for like a third of them right like the stuff i'm excited for is on, is on the ends of the stuff i'm very much excited about wakanda forever we'll probably talk about that trailer and a trailer park coming up but it's, it looks real good man like it's great i really want to know what's going on with captain america new world order like i want to know what they're doing with sam wilson I, as far as i know he's he's it baby so let's see it like i want to see captain america like you, you know bust it out thunderbolts is coming down the line i don't know what that is but i hear it's heat you said it was something like suicide squad like okay sure you know but i just ugh, it's just a lot of it it's just a lot you really gotta I yeah I, I i think what like none of this 
this used to get me really excited uh, when we would see these timelines of four for phase two and three, and now it's just kind of like yawn. Well, and I can't, and I would, I would, and I was trying to think of what, like why that is, and and I think it's because the exciting stuff seems so far away, and what Marvel is doing now, specifically phase four, has been kind of filler. It's just been okay. It's not yeah. bad. It's not great. It's just fine. Yeah, phase four has not been strong. It's been, it feels bloated. It's over a hundred hours of content now, if you consider what's on Disney Plus and in theaters. Like, and phase five is looking very much the same. I think part of the reason this, like, looking at this does not feel as pleasant as it used to is one, and this is a small thing, uh, half these things are on Disney Plus. Like, so it's not strictly theatrical anymore whereas like the first couple of these like it was all theater baby like and you know every one of these is going to be a blockbuster production now it's like okay some of these are going to be smaller more intimate yeah yeah you know like okay great you know sure but 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 two like those early phases like just had stronger stronger ips behind them like marvel really front-loaded a lot of this because there wasn't any kind of big phase strategy so they were like iron man captain america the avengers like we're just hitting you with all the goods baby and i'm glad they did that i am but like inversely that does produce a feeling that like now you're not giving us all the goods you're giving us the okays you know like we're getting the b string here and it makes you crave something like, you know, an Avenger again. And it puts really big expectations on something like the newest Thor movie, which was okay. You know, it, it makes people think Ant-Man's going to be a really big deal. And it, it makes people think the new Loki, it better be good. And like that puts tall expectations on what otherwise should be, you know, easily received. Uh, people could say it's because it's kid stuff. I, I think that's a, a baloney answer. A boring. Out. Yeah, it's boring. It's a, it's, a, it's a boring answer. Boring answer. Kids uh, aren't the one buying tickets. Yeah, exactly. Adults like, have to buy tickets. <laughs> yeah, they gotta they gotta sell these to adults too. I promise. Like they got people punching people out in these movies, and all made for kids. Anyway, um, I don't know. Sorry, it I, also, I'm talking around. It also just lacks the overall structure and direction that that the first three phases had, which you know that was. 11 years of films and it seemed like it was all going somewhere like Thanos was introduced at some point I guess in phase two um and I remember not really caring about because they, they announced you know Avengers Infinity War and Endgame and I remember not really caring about it because I was excited what was around the corner which was things like Captain America Civil or before that Winter Soldier or just what they were doing in the moment was really exciting. Now what they're doing in the moment, like I feel like we're just waiting. I was like, could we just exactly, could we just skip to phase six and see the fantastic four? Yeah. And, and, and really like this also phase five also highlights, like I, I think a lot of the creative strategy behind how they plan phase four, like where's Eternals two? Where's Shang-Chi oh, yeah. two? Where's the follow-up to Black Widow starring Florence Oh, you know uh, what? Florence nowhere. Peer. Yeah. Nowhere. Nowhere. Like, nowhere. It's not on here. And, like, maybe they'll incorporate those characters, but, like, as far as I know, they're on ice through 2024. <laughs> what? What? Why? Why did I watch these shows? Where's Moon Knight? Like, why isn't he on here? You know? Like, that show was really successful. Are we not making any more of that? Why did I go out of my way to watch this stuff? Like, it just feels like... They planned this stuff and they made it and now they're either cherry picking the success out of it or just, yeah, putting it on ice and doing other stuff and uh, uh, other standout <laughs> other, you know, it's the lack, the lack of certain announcements are almost as big as the announcements. Um, no X-Men. Uh, Disney has owned no. 20th yeah. century for three years now and 
no X Men, and and I mean that could all change. They could do an announcement tomorrow that, um, that's also really d- disappointing because that's I mean X Men are such a huge part of, of comics, and if there's any again the good stuff is like they're sitting on. And and there's a rumor that that maybe they there are contracts that that they have to uh, pay out or you know through 2025 because of of you know the previous ownership, um, but still they're giving us a bunch of like C and D tier superheroes and I was just like again, Fantastic Four awesome. Where are the X Men? Where is the yeah. new Wolverine? Where is yeah, the new Magneto? You're absolutely right. Like why is nothing happening with that? Like your release just through to I guess just not till 2026 can we expect something there really 2026 it's 2022 like if these movies are made for kids the movies you're making the kids you're making them for are gonna be all grown up by the time anything you know really rad happens i mean phase six is super telling like they didn't even need to announce anything but they came out with like a really mean like subpar phase six with a with a with an empty slate and they put what on it like known properties that people are immediately going to see and recognize fantastic four and Avengers with the same freaking Avengers logo from the movies. Like it's very obvious that they want people to stick around for the ride. And it just feels like in the meantime, they're going to shovel us like the B tier. We're getting, we're, we're not getting the varsity that that doesn't happen for another few years. Right yeah. now we're just getting, you know, we're getting, this we're getting, we're getting be, high school ball. Like, ugh. yeah, th- this used to be more relevant in TV uh, you know, if you have like a 10 episode season, you might do, you know, episode one and two are, are okay. Episode three is a fill and then something really cool happens in episode four. That's what these, this is what these phases feel like. It's like, well, phase six looks really awesome. Phase five looks okay. Phase four <laughs> is really dull. And it's just like, well, here, just, just this is a holdover until we get the, the, the good stuff made. Yeah, like, and we're just, you know, I, look, I don't want to be a hater, like, because I've, I've, I've heard people say that. Well, it's a comic book movie, you know, who cares? Whatever. Um, sure, fine. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get on here and be like, Marvel is is fumbling the bag. But like, you know, when did you watch? Have you watched every Marvel show that's come out? Have you gone to see every Marvel movie that's come out? Because we've seen all the movies and we've watched a chunk of the shows. But like, even we're not keeping up and we do a freaking podcast about this stuff. You know, like it's it's just too much. And and I don't know. I, I, I liked it so much more when the stakes were higher and like there was a bit more creative investment in individual properties. This like scattergun approach like just produces a lot of mid tier when you should have a lot of quality. And promising quality later with the assurance that in the meantime, you're going to have to eat your vegetables sucks. <laughs> I don't want to eat my vegetables. I want to go sit in a dark room and eat junk food with strangers. That's what going to the movies is all about. And like that should happen when I'm watching fun stuff and the stuff looks okay. It looks okay. You know, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. That's, that's, that's how I feel about Marvel, right? It's fine. Phase five and six. Really? Okay. Also, by the way, you mentioned X-Men not getting any any love here except for X-Men 97, which which by the way, I do not think look good. Like fading fading key art onto a still one at a time does not look good. Where's the animated trailer with voice acting and the sick theme music? Where was that? Where's the entire cast coming out and talking about what's happening? Why didn't I get that? Anyway, on top of Disney and Marvel not announcing anything with X-Men, anything for real pulp i'm surprised dc didn't wheel out michael keaton for batman 
He's going to be Batman in like a year. Like when 20, like when, is, when is, because the Flash comes Miller, out, they don't want think you to so. think about the Flash right now. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, yeah, wh- where was Michael Keaton Batman? Like getting people stoked to see the new feature. And I think it's because Ezra Miller, like the Flash movie has so much heat on it. They can't do anything. So they're just sitting on it. And yeah, all they announced was like two things that are coming out soon that are like safe properties that have nothing to do with Justice League. Uh, and and I think that's a bummer. I really do. I, I I don't know the answer for them, but but man, I would love to see Michael Keaton Batman roll out. You know that that that, that would have dominated headlines. Think think of like yeah, like think of think of your yeah. newsfeed. What you would have seen so on Reddit. Like that kind of all 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 people would be talking about. It. They'd be running the show right now. And if Ezra Miller wasn't a uh, liability, they would have rolled him out as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. They'd be so stoked to talk about the new Flash movie. They'd have a trailer. It'd probably... Come on. It'd be great. And, like, nothing. Silence. Uh, it would bummer for Warner Brothers. I, I, I really wish they could have run in the direction of, like, you know, I don't know, roll out some key art for Joker 2. Disney did it for X-Men 97. I don't know. Like... Take a picture of the script and post it somewhere. Like, just something more than just, like, don't look at the future. <laughs> everybody everybody, look away from Ezra Miller, please, because we don't know what we're going to do, because we already shot this movie, and it, it is what it is. I don't know. I, I, I'm I, getting too jaded for these things, I think. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's wrong with me. It happens. And speaking of jaded, we have one more <laughs> movie to talk about. <laughs> speaking of... Speaking of uh, Okay, I, I, I'm going to take the summary on this one, and I I, I suppose I should just jump into it. I, I, the movie is Netflix's The Gray Man. What do you know about the Sierra program? Reckless mystery man you guys send in when you can't officially send anyone else. The Gray Man. So The Gray Man uh, is a new $200 million Netflix feature from Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors of Marvel's Avengers films, the the two good ones, Infinity War and Endgame. This is high water operations, all right? Like these are big directors that work with big budgets and they've got a tremendous cast rounding out The Gray Man, Ryan Gosling, all right, as our lead. Chris Evans as our smarmy mustache twirling villain, just chewing scenery. Anna Armas doing spy stuff and getting thrown over tables and thrown into boxes <laughs> and thrown on the floor and thrown into walls and thrown through windows. Like uh, Billy Bob Thornton is in this feature. Uh, that one cool chick from the Matrix Revolution. Jessica Henwick. Jessica Henwick is in this. Uh, the breakout star from uh, Bridgerton, Jean Rene Page, is in this. It it seems like it's a, it's a lock, and in the, the plot, uh, yeah, when we right from IMDb, when the CIA's most skilled operative Ryan Gosling, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers dark agency secrets, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Two hundred million dollars, action, espionage, adventure, explosions, love, hate, everything cool. I can't. I did not like this movie. <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I it, it is so much less than the sum of its parts. The the gray man feels like a made by algorithm safety feature that Netflix greenlit on the back of like big names, knowing enough people would watch it that it would justify its budget. And based on recent announcements of a sequel that's already being greenlit, it seems like they got what they wanted. I did not like this movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is so much less than Nope. I like Nope so much more. Andy, what did you think of The Gray Man? Yes, I, th- I thought this was also very poor. Uh, again, it's a super cliche spy plot. It's like, oh no, is he going to go rogue? He's gone rogue. He's discovered Dar- like the agency is turning on him. It's like every James Bond and Mission Impossible plot. Um, but incre- way less interesting. Uh, it, again, super generic. We we have really boring characters. Ryan Gosling does his his. He's returned back to his driver. You know, cool silent, silent. protagonist. Yeah, yeah. Never talk. And, and literally, he he like gets stabbed several times, and he's just like, ow, mm. oh, that's uncomfortable. You know, he's like, wa- he literally gets stabbed like eight or nine times, just walks it off. Um, Chris Evans is he's fun. I f- he he's a little. The, I only know he's the bad guy because he, he has this funny mustache. Um, he's not really convincing enough to me. And I, and I think it, that's more of a script problem. He's just not giving enough to be convincing as a bad guy. Everyone else is phoned in. Billy Bob Thornton uh, feels like he's reading lines for an audition at home. Like, it's just, he, I mean, just completely phoned it in. But it's just like, it's every spy cliche you've ever seen before. It's like, oh, we're getting, it's the Suicide Squad plot. Oh, we're getting you out of prison, but you know, you belong to us because you have this great set of skills and you need to go be an assassin forever. And, oh, it looks like we've turned on on you and you found seven secrets. Well, now we got to come after you and you have no protection. You're a man on the run. Uh, Anna Darmus, again, she gets thrown around a lot in this movie. I was she does. Kind of Kind of surprised uh just super cliche there's a lot of action uh way too much it gets so boring like that's the thing Uh, 40 minutes in and it's just it's so boring it's and you don't care there's a subplot involving a child i immediately start rolling my eyes (laughs) anytime that (laughs) happens no you got you got to save you know she gets used as collateral or as a bargaining chip um there's huge action sequences they don't really look good. Some of the fight scenes look pretty good, but a lot of the big action se- sequences have you're destroying cars, but there's also a whole lot of CGI. So like, there's a thing involving a big a train, like an electric train trolley thing. Uh, it's mostly CGI. There's a big airplane fight scene in the air. The airplane, it's, it's completely CGI as well. So for two hundred million dollars, I don't was like, what what are you spending the money on? Because it's certainly not the effects. Or all of them. It's it's going on location, which is the other thing. They, they, they change locations every five minutes. You know, Budapest, uh, Rome, Florida, London, like constantly. Taiwan, Bangkok. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you where the $200 million for this movie went. It, meant, it went to front-loading its talent and paying for all of their budgets up front, uh, all their salaries, because typically in a theatrical feature, uh, your talent will get a sum of money at the start and then a promise of box office returns or DVD sales or something, right? Like extended growth over time. Like that, that ensures that like the, the actor has, you know, a, a proper return for what they're doing and will be paid royalties like over time. Right. Uh, the same goes for directors. The same goes for crew. Netflix doesn't do this. Netflix says, no, no, no. Uh, we're going to just buy it up front. Cause we're not going to sell this digitally. It's just going to be part of our subscription platform. So we're just going to pay you all out up front one lump sum and we're on our way. It's part of the reason they're able to get big talent because talent sees it as like, you know, you can go shoot this thing in two months and boom, baby, you got a few million dollars, like nothing. You know, you don't have to wait for returns. You don't have to hope the movie's going to do good. Actors don't care at all how it does. So they come in and they have fun and they cut it up and that's great. I, I Joe and Anthony Russo, I think are in a similar boat. Like you're not getting any 
you know, long returns off this. So you front load your budget with big talent and, and, and you run on the back of that. Additionally, you do a bunch of CGI that is acceptable. And you're right. You do a lot of on location shooting that I didn't really understand. I didn't know if like, maybe it was like Adam Sandler's deal with Netflix. He can just go bankroll his vacations and film while he's there. That's certainly what it felt like. Like this is a globe trotting feature. And that's done under the guise of this being a global espionage feature, right? A la Mission Impossible or James Bond or like the man from Uncle, like a classic spy feature. And the Gray Man, if I read correctly, is actually an older property. This this, this does have roots in something that, you know, that is more old, I guess I should say. But like that is a laughable reason to for this movie to get away with like a lot of really silly tropes that are just so ham fisted and, and they feel so phony. Nope is built on the back of, you know, like genre features, but it evolves what's happening there. The gray man just checks the box. It, it, it just like, it, it provides an acceptable level of suspense with its tactical espionage. It's best scenes are it's action. And that is a low bar. Like the, the the action is well, not it, good. It's all the kind of action you've seen before. Like I, I got about forty-five minutes in before got my phone out, and yeah, as I was powering through the rest of it, I would look up, and it's like, oh, it's a chase scene. Oh, it's a fight scene. Oh, it's a shootout. Um, and it just all—it's all kind of stuff you've seen before, and it, it just really serves no par- no purpose. There's no like story-driven purpose for most of it. It goes on for way too long. The big action sequence in the middle of the film goes on forever is the one at the end the fight scenes go on endlessly uh as well and i mean even as a popcorn action flip flick it just failed it's it's so boring it's so boring i it took me like three hours to watch a two-hour movie because i had to like pause and do something else for a while before i could come back to it so let's 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 get into the meat a little bit um i think we've yeah elaborated on our general thoughts we'll get more to that at the end uh, why is this movie boring? Uh, number one, the pacing, uh, our, our, our globe trotting feature, it, it, Andy was accurate. Like it changes, it changes locations every like eight minutes to 16 minutes. Like I wanted, I, after I watched it, I, I wanted to tweet about how many title cards there were to say Florida, Bangkok, Thailand, Muay Thai, wherever, like and I, I went through the movie, just started scrubbing through it on Netflix and screenshotting title cards. You can go find it on Twitter. And and uh, Twitter only lets you post four photos. I didn't know that. I thought you could post as many as you wanted. So by the time I got to five, Twitter was like, hey, you have to stop. That's too many photos. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll just stop with these four. That's the first 20 minutes of the film. You have four title cards in, in the first 20 minutes. Like, that doesn't give us any time to establish setting. Where's like the 15 minute open at like the spy's house where we're getting to meet his family? Where's John Wick talking to his dog? Like none of that is in here. It is just leaping from scene to scene, screaming from spot to spot. But then when you get there, it's terrible. (laughs) The script is really bland and you don't really care about what anybody's talking about. Like uh, it all just feels really phony. Uh, You got Jean-René Page from Bridgerton who's like, this tall, lean CIA director character who's so toothless, like, and is not at all frightening. I, I don't want to say he's poorly cast because I think that guy can do a lot, but it's not a the great show for it's him. It's always a script with Netflix. It's always so poor. Yeah, it's all. It's it really is like because they don't. Yeah, like they're gonna get good talent and they're gonna do good effects, but like the the, the script, God. Uh, Anna de Armas is just kind of this dry character who's 
chasing Ryan Gosling. Six is his uh, code name in this movie. Uh, and she's kind of trying to keep up with him. Gosling is doing, like Andy said, the drive thing. He's being kind of the silent protagonist, but he's got a goatee now and it doesn't really work because it doesn't have the tone of drive. <laughs> it has the tone of a low, low rent Mission Impossible movie. It doesn't make sense for the budget, but here we are. And Chris Evans, I actually liked. I, I, I He's not great, but I, I think he's having fun. Chris Evans feels like Alan Rickman in like, that Kevin Cosner Robin Hood, like he, I feel <laughs> yeah. like he at least knows what he's doing. Like he, he's got his money and he grew out the mustache and he's out there like Wiley Coyote, like being like big expressive and like waving his arms around on set. Like, okay, sure. You know, <laughs> like I don't know. Like I at least felt like Evans wasn't phoning it in. Like I felt like there was something here. Uh, but yeah, like it suffers from really poor pacing, uh, poor editing, not, not good writing and, and just performances that just don't feel inspired. Yeah, exactly. It is just so dull, uh, from everyone. And, and I don't think they're doing a bad job They're This, they're just not given much to work with. Um, the script structure is kind of strange. For some reason it gets really slow in act two. Usually act two is when, when you have the, the kind of fun and game section, that's where you would have more kind of action or espionage or some interesting, uh, things. It gets so boring in the middle of act two. I was, I was okay through act one. Um, it gets so slow and boring by the end of it. And it's all like, oh, you know, this person's got, we got to get to, we got to get the secret drive and it can't fall into the wrong hands and it's fallen into the wrong hands. We have to get it back. Yeah. Like I said, it's every, it's every trope. The plot that you've seen before. Yes. The gray man claims to start hot on action, right? Like get to the goods fast. And then in the second act, it slows down and gives us some emotional support with a, a two, a pre a two year flashback, like 45 years and 45 minutes into the movie. And, uh, that's where they introduce like the child actor. <laughs> it's not even Ryan Gosling's kid. It's somebody else's kid, but he is, is like emotionally propped under this character and feels like he has to protect her. Um, which does not make sense for like his former convict now being blackmailed into like, it's just, it's weird. They, they try to position him as some kind of like hero when he is in no way functionally a hero. He's just a guy who does missions. He's like Jason Bourne, you know? And, uh, it, it doesn't have any of the speed that it needs to, to carry you into the third act. It just feels like it drags and it cuts back and forth between some stuff, but like, it, it leaves the action feeling better than the other bits, but like even the action is just a CGI mess. Like it's, it's it, like, it just goes on forever. Yeah. It's it like, it's like when you're, forever. it's like when you watch a horror movie and a character is getting like horribly gored to death at some point in that scene, there's, there's a spot in your brain where it goes, Oh, this isn't real anymore. Like, and you just kind of detach from the moment, the moment emotionally. That's, all of this movie like you never really fall into under the spell of the gray man it, it never really pulls you in enough you're constantly left out in the state of disbelief just kind of watching this movie that you know passes by you for two and a half hours and just sort of ends yeah it wants to be mission impossible james bond uh jason Bourne. i think more than anything that's probably the closest um but you know jason Bourne has you know really good action it also yeah. has it, it usually has a very intriguing like backstory plot you know, kind of derivative as, as it is, but it, it, you get drawn in a little bit more, but this was just so dull and forgettable. Yeah. It, it uh, the, yeah. I, Jason Bourne's not a bad comparison. Honestly, the, the two movies I would compare it to 
One of them is a Netflix feature, uh, Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth. But Chris Hemsworth is a bit more charismatic than Ryan Gosling's kind of quiet protagonist here. And it had way better action because they had stunt coordination that was like way, way more solid. Like, at least I could say Extraction's a fun watch. Like, there's some there's some fun sequences in there sometimes. Uh, Also, like Will Smith's Gemini Man last year, like same kind of bland, like just kind of CIA spy flying around the country, you know, getting a pistol, meeting a guy. Um, but again, Gemini man, at least had a hook. Like it had Will Smith and it had deep fake. Will, Will Smith. Smith. And yeah. that was kind of like, at least that was kind of fun. You know, like, I don't know, like deep fake. Will Smith is one bad to look at. Like it's decent, you know, uh, gray man does not gray man does not have these features. It, it, it is somehow so much less than the sum of its parts. And it's baffling because the sum of its parts is really expensive. It's a very, it's a very tidy sum. Right, that, that I want to segue a little bit into a, a comment made by the Russo brothers as they were promoting this, uh, where you know they kind of scoffed at at, at some of the great directors like uh, Martin Scorsese, who have you know not talked highly of of comic book films and and streaming, and uh, you know they they to quote the theater the idea that theater is a sacred sp- sacred space is bs like you know you can make great films on streamings but they also said uh you know people need to get over auteur filmmaking like that was something from the 70s we don't we're beyond that and i was like no we're absolutely not and that's what we need and auteurs are people like jordan peele uh denny Villeneuve, ari aster robert eggers filmmakers making really bold new films going bringing us new things and new directions trying to reinvent you know things so we we're not just regurgitating. Uh, we need that badly, but they, they were, uh, yeah, trying to say that, oh, this is, uh, you know, because they, they are, of course, the directors of, of Avengers. Uh, so they, they took that personally. Zach, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's a terrible read. Um, I do think there's some truth, like, in what they're saying. Uh, you know, the Russo brothers have worked with Marvel at their peak. Uh, I mean, they're two biggest films that had to tie all of this stuff together. These guys had to deal with that. And that's, that's, that's a big, that's a big ask. And Disney is very IP centric. Like they, they are, they're going to grab their, they're going to take their toy. They're going to pick up their toys and they're going to go home with them. Like Disney is like, we, this is our stuff. This is our project. It's filmed by committee. I think like you, you pointed that out and I agree with it. The more I think about it. Meanwhile, Netflix, they say, just lets them make the movie they want to make. Like they said, Netflix is real hands off. Like you, you you go do whatever you want. It's like Adam Sandler on vacation. Like just make, make the movie. We don't care. You know, just put it out. Like, because Netflix knows that like, at the end of the day, the names behind this feature will be enough to carry it over. Like you can put these faces on the front page of Netflix and people will watch it. I've heard about folks, parents watching this all week. They're like, Oh yeah, I watched that gray man movie. I want to get a haircut. Ask my barber. What they watch, what she's been watching lately. And she was like, I watched some movie with Ryan Gosling on Netflix. She said it was boring. I fell asleep in the middle of it. Like Netflix knows you can kind of get away with creative bankruptcy. And, and the problem is the Russo brothers coming out and saying that's a good thing that like this is the way cinema's going now and people need to get over themselves wrong like cinema is for storytelling and storytelling is one of the oldest things humanity's ever done like this is our ability to communicate with one another in creative engaging ways and sometimes that creativity has to come from taking risks and doing new things and limiting yourself by budget and time and constraint to develop new methods of storytelling that push us into the future that 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 that, that take us forward into something more exciting than what we've known before it's constantly changing and evolving and growing and the idea that like we just shouldn't have auteurs because I don't know it's not good for our line line item 
budget? Like, stop. It's an embarrassing take, dude. <laughs> it's awful. And I can't believe they shared it in an interview. That never should have left the bathroom mirror they were talking into. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> they just want some, like, hug box, like, idea of cinema where everybody goes and sees things they already know and everybody gets paid up front. And, like, I'm sorry. We didn't get Spielberg from that. We didn't get George Lucas from that. Scorsese did not come from safe cinema. These are people who did new things and that's a good thing and it's it sucks that these guys don't don't think that way that's what i think is yeah also the you know things like that they did like uh, avengers uh, those are great films but that's disney in full control telling you what you're going to make that's not you being making any any real decisions because again what from those movies could you say oh this is a, a russo brother it's got their signature their mark like it's a comic book film you don't have any say over it and this same thing there is nothing about it maybe all the action that you know is like a signature of what they do the worst part might be that they said disney like hangs on to everything and and will not get out of your hair and netflix lets you do what you want because the avengers is so much better than the gray man and if that's because disney was the one holding your hand and netflix is letting you do what you want and you made this that says so much more about your ability as directors than avengers does and it's it's like it's silly i can't even believe they said it dude like God, uh, we don't need our tours anymore. Theater, theater, cinema is bullshit. No, it's not. Like that's that's terrible. So, I'm I I'm bummed by the Gray Man. Like I would have loved to have watched like a fun, exciting two hour Ryan Gosling doing Drive feature at home. That'd be awesome, dude. Like I'd love to see Chris Evans cutting up as a villain. I'd love to see Anna Armas doing her exciting spy stuff. But like it doesn't really come together, and it's a disappointing two hours from a couple of disappointing directors. I hope they do better next time. I really do. Sorry, I didn't mean for that to be my recommendation. Andy, any other thoughts for recommendations? I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend The Gray Man? Hard pass. Hard even for for the low standard of streaming. Uh don't waste your time with it. It's long, it's slow, it's boring, it's super cliche. It's everything you you've seen before. The action scenes aren't that great. They go on for too long. There's way too much CGI. Uh, again, the story is kind of nonsensical and also every trope you, you've ever seen in any kind of spy film before. Go watch better movies. Go watch a good movie. Like, go watch the, the <laughs> yeah. Bourne series. Go yes. watch Mission Impossible. Go watch James Bond. Like, rewatch those things uh, than this. No, skip it. Hard pass. Don't yeah. Waste your time. I, I'd say hard pass. Don't don't watch it. Don't tell your parents to watch it. If anything, like if somebody asks you, "Hey, have you heard about that Gray Man movie? Is that any good?" Just be like, "No, no, it's it's really schlocky and bad." Like, cause it is. Like, it's it's not anything. It's not even schlocky. I think I think it maybe attempts to be schlocky. Like, it's just it's a miss. It's a big miss. It's it's disappointing. I hope Netflix doesn't make more movies like this. If if I if I may say so, this is the kind of movie that pulls confidence from me that Netflix is going to hit a million subscribers next quarter. Not so sure, man. Like if you're going to keep doing this, I, I don't know. And they've already just today, I think they announced they're green lighting a sequel and they want to do a spinoff of the gray man. And it's like, you might as well do a sequel to like the, the ridiculous six or whatever that Adam Sandler, you yeah. might as well do a sequel to Hubie Halloween, right? Why not? <laughs> like, just come on. Ugh, not a fan. And that's our show. Wow. Uh, what a, what an episode. Uh, Andy, I could not stop talking. I'm not going to drink coffee before the show anymore. I, I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> this is our longest episode. Dude, our longest episode in a really it, long time. It's because we didn't have an episode last week. It's all pent up. 
Well, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, and also, we won't have an episode next week either because Andy's traveling, and that's okay because there's not a whole lot of cool things coming out. I think our summer might be winding down a little, but when we come back, we got some exciting features. Andy, where are you going, and what are we watching? Well, releasing this Friday is a smaller release, the DC League of Super Pets, which is the animated kid-friendly uh, movie about superman dog superman's dog maybe dog as superman it's a kid's film looks fun uh but there's no real big new release that's this it is the, uh, friday it's, it's the pets of the justice league so it's superman's oh, dog right. batman's dog uh, wonder woman's okay. pig whatever no i take it back a couple of them are random pets anyway that's the deal yeah july and that's this friday july 29th when we come back for the show we will be watching bullet train which is in theaters August 5th. That's the Brad Pitt starring ensemble cast action movie taking place on a bullet train. Um, that looks like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to see, seeing that. And then also the A24 release horror movie, Bodies, 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 uh, which can't I'm not going to say starring cameos. Uh, Pete Davidson amongst uh, a large cast about uh, young teens, girls, uh, college students, uh, spending a weekend by themselves in a house and a killer on the loose. Maybe it's one of them. Maybe it's not. That looks like a lot of fun. Those are our two uh, releases we'll be looking into. And that's next, uh, the following week theaters, August 5th. I'm feeling optimistic about both those movies for totally different reasons. Uh, Bullet Train looks like, here's the thing. It looks all right. Um, but I think it might it might be a sleeper. Like, I, I remember people said Bad Times with El Royale looked all right. And I was like, that movie's super good. Like, I thought that movie was great. Uh, honorable mention that year. That movie was a ton of fun. But who knows? Bullet Train might be heat, man. Like, you, you got Brad Pitt. You got the director of Deadpool. Like, sure. Uh, who knows? Might, might be cool. Um, and then Bodies, 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 inversely, looks like a nice, charming, uh, small budget, low rent, high concept, character driven A24 movie. <laughs> like just like I feel like I can go watch that quietly and then I can I can come home and simmer on it for a little while. I'm hoping it'll be something like Assassination Nation like or or uh, uh oh god, Spring Break, Spring Break. Yeah, that movie yeah. is James Franco. Like, we'll see. Who knows? Might, might might be heat. Uh if you enjoyed the show today, I'm so sorry it was longer than it needs to be. Oh my god, I couldn't stop talking about nope. I couldn't help myself. And I was inversely angry about Gray Man. If you enjoyed the show today, uh, you can follow us on Facebook where we live stream the show every Tuesday. You can follow us on YouTube where we post our live stream. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on your usual podcast outlets, iTunes, Spotify, Google Heart, Google Play, iHeartMedia, all the usual places. Tune in, Deezer, Jazz FM. I, I don't know you know, the usuals. Uh, and you can keep up with us at offscriptfilmreview.com and mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. You can write us correspondence on social media. We hang out. We love talking about movies. And if you love listening to us talking about movies, the biggest thing you can do is just subscribe. Just subscribe to get new episodes of Offscript delivered straight to your phone every single Tuesday, except for next week because we've got stuff going on. But when we come back, it's going to be some good movies and we're excited to talk about it. I think that about wraps the show from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.